kind of with the theme of our message today. Um, a little less like me, a lot more like Jesus, a little less like me. And we're going to look this morning at a servant heart and a consumer culture. A servant heart and a consumer culture. And that's what we are. We are a consumer culture. We go to the grocery store and expect uh, them to give us exactly what we came for. Uh, if we don't find it there, we'll go elsewhere. We go to a restaurant. Uh, we order what we want. We order it the way we want it. Uh, how many of you in here are a well-done type of person when you get a steak? All right. So y'all believe in ruining a perfectly good steak? All right. How many of you are medium well people? That's a little bit of taste. All right. Anybody in here medium? Yeah. Medium rare? All right. Now here's the last one. Here's the other way you order it. Just kill it and bring it to me. Anybody like that? Yeah. 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 We go to the mall, Bass Pro, Cabela's Academy, um, you know, Walmart, and we expect these folks to have exactly what we want. If they don't, well, we go elsewhere. We're a consumer culture. We, we expect people to give us exactly what we're looking for, exactly what we need, but we should not be this way in the church. A lot of us come and we walk into the door, we show up, you get fed, you consume it, you go home, and you never use what you took in. That's not a healthy church. You and I must understand that part of being a healthy church is to be a servant church. One that is okay with not getting it your way. One that is okay when things aren't exactly the way that you like it or want it. I have watched people come to Pine Island looking for something, and for a while they enjoy what they're getting. Uh, but then as soon as they have used up all that they can get out of the church, then they go elsewhere because, you see, all they were doing was consuming. They were not giving. They were not serving. You and I are called to be givers. We're called to be servants. We're called to be people who give ourselves away. Our church should be leading this community with a servant heart. Not expecting everyone to do as we wish, as we want. Let me just share this as a pastor. If that was the case, I would not stay here. I have not always gotten what I wanted. And can I tell you, I'm thankful for that. I am thankful that I have not always gotten what I wanted. God has protected me. Uh, he has taken care of me. But one thing that I pray that I will always do is that I will serve this church expecting nothing in return. That is the type of leadership that you and I need to be giving. Jesus gave the perfect example of this when he was speaking to his disciples. Let's stand together and let's read out of Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse number 20. Now, the two sons of Zebedee come up with their mother and They've kind of all gotten together, the three of them, and, and they've decided to, to approach Jesus with this. And who in here, what mother in here is proud of their children? Anybody in here, you're proud of your kids? How many of you would go the extra mile for your child, right? How many of you have ever asked more than you really needed to? 
See, I figure, okay, there's at least one honest person in the room. I saw that one hand go up. All right? We've got the reality here. All right? Now, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. What is she asking? I want my sons to have preferential treatment. I want them to be in the best spot. I want them to be recognized for their servant leadership. And Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? And they said, we are able. That was something they were being honest with. They were, they were going to definitely be treated like Christ was. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. You know why? Because the two brothers beat them to it, right? Think about it. You get a big old group of guys together. What do we wind up doing with each other? Don't lie, we compete with each other. Outdo each other's stories. We want to be recognized more than the others. I know some of you have the most precious servant hearts and you don't have those issues because you are almost perfect. Um, and when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They take that position and use it. And those who are great exercise authority over them. But listen to what he says to his disciples, and it's the same thing to his church. He says, yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Father, we ask this morning for wisdom as we look into your word. That we will understand that we are here to be a part of the work of the kingdom. We are not here to just be fed. But we are here to learn how to also feed others. We are not here just to be served. We are here to learn how to serve so that we can then go and serve others. Lord God, teach us to take the example of Christ and to live it out. And we pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Jesus says here, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. When I was a young man growing up in the church, I saw with our church great pastoral leadership. That great pastoral leadership Uh, that I recognized was from godly men who loved their church, loved to serve their church. Their wives understood the position of of their husband. They understood the role of their husband and the job that he had to do, and they supported that. Uh, They were with him, stood by him. Uh, hospital visits, uh, home visits. Uh, He did the things that it took to minister to his church. His deacon body. I remember 
watching our deacons in, in a church there at Blanchard Baptist Church and how they came alongside our pastor. And, and they loved the congregation along with him. Oftentimes, they would go out together and make visits. Uh, they constantly were in touch with the widows. They had stuff all the time for the, for the folks of the church. It was a constant lifestyle for them to serve others, to give themselves away. And that must become the lifestyle for us at Pine Island, that we are looking to serve, that we are looking to give. Because once a person who is just a consumer gets all that they can get out of place, what do they do next? They leave. They leave and they go elsewhere to find who's going to give them the next thing that they need in life. You and I are called to be servants, even if it hurts. We're called to become that servant, that slave, one who gives up their rights and their freedoms, one who says, you know what, I am more concerned about my fellow man than I am about myself. One who says, I don't have to have it my way. I just simply want God to be glorified. That is exactly what it means that whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Let him be concerned with what you need. Let him be concerned with what others around him need, and he will give that to them. And then Jesus said this, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That Son of Man is one of the most important titles of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he put on flesh. He became like us. The Bible says that in every way he was tempted like us, yet without what? Sin. Jesus, the Son of Man, said, listen... I did not come so that you can serve me. I came to serve you. And I pray that that is exactly how you would view my family here at this church, that we have served you, that we look to serve you, that we desire to serve you. And while I want you to recognize that in our life, what I also want that to do is then set a fire within you to do the same thing, to serve others, to give your life away. Jesus said this because he became a ransom for many. He paid our penalty as the greatest servant to ever walk on the face of the earth. We are called to serve. Now, when you look at this Greek word, it means to serve, to render assistance. Now, I know by watching some of you on Facebook, what you think our world needs is your opinion. Okay? I get that, I understand that, and I know that in your mind, your opinion is the most important thing that you can put out there. But what the world really needs is someone who has a servant heart. Someone who's willing to put out there on Facebook that no matter what happens, God is still in control. He is still doing his thing, he's still going. If that's me, just tell me and I'll grab the other mic. No, good, thank the Lord, okay. I will do whatever... Now all I need is a brag to wipe my forehead, and I'll be on television all the time. I'm telling you right now, I got it made. Man, back pocket. (laughs) We 
must understand that rendering this assistance, giving the things that we have been called to do in this world today, our job as rendering that assistance of giving that aid is to share the gospel, to become a servant. Folks, you know, let me tell you what the world needs. Let me tell you what the liberal needs. The liberal needs to be served by the church. The liberal needs to be served by the church. They need to see God in action through his people. They don't need your opinion of how stupid you may think they are. The ultra conservative, the right, the far right, what they need is to be served by the church. People need to know the gospel. They need to know the good news. And they need to know that the church is real, that it is something that is active in in serving the world around it. That is the job that we have. And, And it's by rendering humble service. Not the type that says, you know what I did for you. How many of you have one of those friends that reminds you what they did for you 20 years ago? Right? Don't y'all remember when I did such and such? Nobody was there for me. That's not humble service. Humble service is giving and not expecting anything in return. That is where the church is really messing up. We are giving and we want something in return. Jesus knew what he was doing. And by the way, his return on his investment, when you consider how many people are going to go to hell versus how many people are going to heaven, that percentage isn't that good. But Christ wasn't worried about the percentage. He was worried, he was concerned, I should say, about the service of obeying his father. It says also to wait upon, serve food and drink. I love Wednesdays. And one of the reasons I love Wednesdays at Pine Island is because I get to experience the kitchen crew that you guys don't get to experience. Folks, on Tuesday, they're up here and they are having a blast. They are loving life. They're, They're making desserts and they're tempting everybody in the office with the smell of that dessert. And, and it's all I can do to keep Toddle out of there from eating the cupcakes. But, you know, it, it, it's hard, you know. And, but I, you hear them in that, in that kitchen, and there is joy. I've even heard singing sometimes. I'm not recommending that we continue with that. But I've heard singing in there, and, and it was wonderful. I, I've heard jokes and laughter because there's such joy that they get because they understand something. What they are doing is not asking you to tell them that their food is good. What they're doing is they're wanting you not to have to cook. They're wanting you to be able to get here on Wednesday without having to work hard and come up and find a meal available to you and your family. And that is their service to you. And they do it with joy. They don't come and complain. They don't come and gripe. Instead, there's joy. They're serving that food and drink. They're, 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 they're waiting upon us. To minister to, to attend to anything that may serve another's interest. Part of our problem when it comes to service, we enjoy serving people who think like us. What if they don't think like us? What if we have someone out there? I have, a, I have a pastor right now who I'm praying for hard because he does not, 
he does not see the Bible for what the Bible truly is, God's word, unchanging, right? He's struggling with a lot of the things that are going on because he says that I am just too hard because I don't agree with abortion and I don't agree with all the transgender and all the different genders. By the way, we have a first lady in the White House, in case you are wondering. Still is, according to science. Um, But um, we need to recognize the fact that what we have today is we have a world that is in desperate need of being served. Even this pastor who I don't agree with, even the one who takes exception with some of the things that I say, I still pray for this man. And he knows that I pray for him. When I see him, I treat him as though I respect and love him. Why? Because I do respect and love him. We just don't see things eye to eye. And part of service, part of good godly service is serving people who you don't agree with. That is good Christian service. It says to minister a thing to one, to serve one or by supplying anything. You may tell you again what the world needs. They need Jesus. The church should be giving Jesus away to everyone. This is part of what we do. This is part of who we are. Jesus set the example. He set the example, the perfect example. Think about it. Jesus knows that he's about to die. He knows he's about to be arrested. He's going to be crucified. All of these things are taking place. And I want you to understand, a lot of, a lot of times we don't connect the two. But what Jesus was doing just before he died, he was setting the example that he wanted his disciples to follow. Just before he dies, he brings them up into the upper room. Remember the story? They're in the upper room. They're about to have that last supper. Christ is going to break bread, share the wine. He's going to do this thing. And in John chapter 13, John chapter 13, if you have your Bible, turn there with me. Jesus knows that it's about to take place. It's about to happen. He knows that one of his own is going to deny him, and he knows that the rest are going to leave him. He knows that one is going to betray him. And we find him gathered with these men that he knows who are about to leave him, and he does something. He sets the example for us. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Did you hear that part? He loved them to the end. He did not quit loving them. You know what amazes me? How many people say, I just don't love them anymore. Well, that's not Christ. Part of a good servant's heart is you continue to love even those who have harmed you, even those who have hurt you. And supper being ended, verse 2, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Listen, if this was me, if I would have been in that place of Christ, I would have been a nervous wreck. I would have been angry and upset at those who were around me. But not Jesus. Instead, Jesus, knowing what all he's about to face, rose up from supper laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them all with the towel 
with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. He set the example. Knowing that he was about to leave this earth, knowing that he was about to be crucified, knowing all that was about to take place, he sat down, girded himself with his towel, and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. He was serving. The night that he was betrayed, Jesus was serving. He was giving himself away exactly the way that you and I must be living. We live in a world today that all we care about, and I'm afraid it's hit our churches, all we care about is what can I get? What can you give me? And Jesus was all about giving himself away. One of the greatest lessons that we can learn from John the Baptist is found in John chapter 3, verse 30. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. So the question is, how can I pour myself out into the lives of others? I must decrease. Life must not be about me. Life must be about the gospel. Life must be about becoming a slave. Life must be about decreasing who I am so that Christ can increase. People can, be recon- can, can recognize Jesus. People can seek Christ because of the example that we set in service. Folks, none of us would ever be able to say that we were as strong as John the Baptist. And if one of the strongest men to ever live said, I must decrease then that must also be who we are. We must become servants of the Most High God. Paul, one of the greatest apostles, he spoke on service many times. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. How many of you have someone in your life that just grates on your everlasting nerve. I mean, we're talking everything that they do, you think they're doing it to you, that you think that they have set themselves up to hurt you, to harm you. Everything that they say is negative. Everything that they say is ugly. You know what the Bible says we ought to do? We ought to serve them. How's that working out for us? Wouldn't it be nice if Christianity was one of these things that said, I just forget about those people? No, because it wouldn't be Christianity then. We're to serve. Some of you are like, well, you don't understand. I have no contact with the people that hurt me. Are you praying for them? Are you lifting them up before Christ? Yeah, I pray for them. Dear God, right? You know what they did to me. God, you know how they are. This week I was complaining about something and someone said to me, uh, do you not hear that you're doing the same exact thing you're complaining about? And of course I took the very gospel approach and said, shut up. And... uh, (laughs) 
Verse 20 says, And to the Jews I became a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To the liberal as a liberal. To the crazy as the crazy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whatever your struggle is, whatever you have an issue with with other people, you've got to come to an understanding of where they are. Because if you don't, you'll never be able to serve them. You'll never be able to see that they know Christ. You may tell you why people have no problem with abortion. Because they don't believe the biblical account of how this earth was made. They don't believe in the biblical account that while in the womb, he knew me. So what do we do? We pray for them. We serve them. We love on them. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means have uh, save some. Now this is I. Uh, now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be partaker of it with you. Folks, one of the signs of a true Christian is you have a servant heart to whoever God puts in front of you. Even if you don't agree with them. A lot of us in this room are struggling with some family issues. We've got things going on. How do I deal with that? I serve those people. I pray for those people. I lift those people up to God. When I'm in contact with them, I show them Christ. Some of you at work, you're struggling with a co-worker. How do you handle that? You serve that co-worker. You show them Christ. Philippians 2.17 says, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Anytime that, that we get pushed as a, as a believer, anytime we get stretched, are we rejoicing in that? Are we glad in that? Are we thankful in that? Or do we sit around and complain? Anybody, just be honest. How many of you sometimes just find yourself complaining about your situation instead of rejoicing when God starts to stretch and push and pull? Pride. In his valedictorian address in 2 Timothy 4 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Nowhere in Scripture does God call us to consume anything of the world. He calls us to consume his word, wisdom, love, and pour ourselves into the world around us. Paul understood this. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. He was okay with it. Paul was perfectly fine suffering. There are a lot of changes coming for us. I don't back down from that claim. If you've paid attention to anything in the news... Abortion is now recognized as health care by the vice president of the United States.
So what do I do? I pray for her. I lift her up. I ask God to save her. The same thing I asked for the last president we had. The one before him. Brother Tom, service hurts sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) I don't deny that. My family has missed out on a number of opportunities because of things that have happened at this church and other churches that I've pastored. I have said no to vacations in order to bury people that I love with all my heart. We have canceled events because something else had taken place. And I would be lying today if I didn't tell you that there have been times that I have said, God, why? Why do I have to do this? And then one of your children comes up to me and begins to ask questions. They want to know more about the Lord, and God reminded me something. Tom, this is why you do what you do, because I'm using you and your family to serve these people to Christ what is your purpose it's to serve people to Christ it is to love people that sometimes are difficult to love y'all been married a long time y'all know what I'm talking about but yet you continue to love what may it lead to I'm going to read you something this is the The martyrdom martyrdom of Polycarp. Polycarp was basically one of the last disciples of John. And he lived from AD 69 to about 156 or 157. He was the bishop of Smyrna. He's one of the last living disciples there, as I said, of John. And uh, the only writing of Polycarp that has survived was his epistle to the Philippians. And the martyrdom of Polycarp is a letter written by one of Polycarp's followers to the church of Smyrna where Polycarp served as bishop. The letter gives the account of Polycarp's and some others' martyrdom for the sake of Christ. And this letter is relatively short. Uh, It is widely accepted by scholars to be generally accurate. The martyrdom of Polycarp begins with an account of persecution and martyrdom of a number of Christians as well as at least one person who renounced his faith to escape torture. Can you imagine having to do that? And yet you renounce your faith. That's not a good testimony, by the way. You see, the Christians at the time were being told under the threat of death to renounce Christ, confess that Caesar is Lord, and offer incense to the emperor. One of the modes of torture, execution of Christians was to have them attacked and all these other things that were going on. It was just a really, really tough thing. But they kept pressing... Polycarp and press kept, kept pressing him, pressing him, pressing him to denounce, to denounce, to denounce. And he kept telling him, listen, I will not heed your counsel. So what do they do? They continue to threaten him, continue to try to persuade him. And then when they had brought him before the proconsul, uh, they inquired where, whether he were the man or not who was being a confused and on his confessing that he was, he tried to persuade him to, deal, to, to a denial, saying, Have respect to, the, to thine age and other things in accordance therewith. 
as it is there, want to say, swear by the genius of Caesar, repent and say, away with the atheist. See, back then, atheist meant anyone who was a believer in Christ. It's kind of the opposite now. But in those days, an atheist was one who believed in Christ because they denounced who Caesar was. Polycarp was, I'm not going to deny Christ. You say, well, what has this story got to do with service? No matter what man tried to do to him, and Polycarp was killed. Polycarp was tortured. It was a tough thing. But it's a beautiful testimony to one who said, no matter what, I will continue to serve God above man. You and I are called to be servants, even if it hurts. Polycarp served even to death. Christ washed the feet of his disciples the night that he was going to be arrested and set up for crucifixion. God has put somebody in your life who you don't care for, who you really don't want to think about, and that very person is the very person that you and I should be serving. Some of you have a spouse who doesn't believe. Instead of nagging them to Christ, why don't you serve them to Christ? Set the example of Jesus. Some of you have that person at work. Serve them to Christ. Some of you have children who are adults. Serve them to Christ. You're not going to change. If you hadn't changed them by now, you're not changing them. Show them the love of Christ. My prayer for this church is that we will be a church that consumes the word of God and goes out and serves the world. That we will be a people that even if it hurts, we will be found faithful. Some of you already have somebody in mind right now because you know, man, God, I can't do that to that person. I, I, you don't know what they did to me. And, and Jesus is like, do you remember what I did the night that those people were going to deny me, one was going to betray me, and the others were going to leave me? I washed their feet. Well, Jesus, that's you. You know what Jesus is going to tell you? But you have my spirit living within you. We are called to be different. And what this world needs is a church with a servant heart. Let's stand together. Father, we ask this morning that you would take and you would do good things good things for your church, good things for your people, that you would call us to serve, that you would call us to give ourselves away. And that's the call that you put on us. So now may we be obedient to that call. May we find that enemy and start serving them. May we find that co-worker 
who's one issue after another and start serving them. Lord God, we trust you today to change our hearts so that you can use us to change the world. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.